Uh, but we'll begin at verse 1 in Psalm 33 and read through verse 11 here. But in verse 1 of Psalm 33, it says, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with harp, sing unto him with a psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song, play skillfully with a loud noise. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. His, his, he loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathereth the waters of the sea together as an heap. He layeth up the depth in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. Uh, we'll stop there and go back up to, to the first uh, five verses. It says, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for, uh, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with harp. Sing unto him with the psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. And again, this, this psalm, it begins with a commandment uh, to, to rejoice in the Lord. This would uh, be the same thing as saying uh, to praise the Lord. Uh, but rejoice in the Lord. But it also says who should rejoice in the Lord? Oh, ye righteous. Now, folks, that tells me now this wasn't written for heathens or pagans. This wasn't written for those that did not trust in God. This wasn't written for uh, what we would call now in the New Testament era, the unsaved, this was written for the people of God. Uh, the, unfortunately church houses are full it seems Sunday after Sunday of people that are trying to praise God and they're trying to praise God and rejoice in God in their own way, in their own manner and they think that they are uh, doing something that is appealing to God in doing that but they are worshiping God in a way that is outside of Scripture or if you do not have a relationship with the Almighty, there is no way that we can rightfully praise Him, that we can rightfully rejoice in Him. And the psalmist here says, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous. Why, why should the righteous rejoice in the Lord? First of all, because we are righteous, not of our own works, but we are righteous because of the works of Jesus Christ and the merits that He proved and that he worked on a cross at a place called Calvary. That is the only thing that makes us righteous, and that is the main reason that we can rejoice in the Lord, is that we have been made righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now these Jews here, they didn't have Jesus Christ. They didn't know who Jesus Christ was. They knew who Almighty God was. They knew that God spoke the world into existence 
this. But folks, this was a thousand years before Jesus Christ ever walked on this earth or was ever born for that matter. But yet they were deemed righteous because Almighty God said that they were righteous. They were deemed righteous because they believed what the Word of God said. The Word of God told God told Abraham way back in the book of Genesis he was going to take him, take his seed and make a great nation of it that would outnumber the sand of the seashore and the stars of the heaven and that they would be a chosen nation that God would give them a land flowing with milk and honey and that they would be his and he would be theirs. That's what they trusted. That's what they believed and that is what made them righteous. It wasn't following the law because no man ever has other than Jesus Christ. It wasn't burning incense. It wasn't the sacrifices of animals that they made. It wasn't any of these things that these Jews had done over the years that made them righteous. They were righteous because of they believed what the Word of God had told them. They believed the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their fathers. They believed in Jehovah God. Therefore, they were made righteous and they were given commandment here in the Scripture by the psalmist to rejoice Rejoice in the Lord, all ye righteous. Folks, we need to rejoice in the Lord a little bit more than what we do. I'm not talking about a church and cutting a big scene. Hey, if you want to raise hands, you want to shout hallelujahs, that's all great and fine and well. I had no problem with that. There is nothing wrong with that. But in our own lives, in our own homes, in our own vehicles, wherever we are, we can rejoice in the Lord. Because regardless of where we are, regardless of any of that, we are righteous in the eyes of God if we are saved and born again. Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous. Rejoice. Hallelujah. We can rejoice in that fact. Folks. I woke up this morning, I had food in my cabinet, I had food in the fridge, I had water coming out of a spigot in my in my kitchen, I got water coming out of spigots in two different bathrooms, I got all kinds of amenities, I had heat in my house, I got air in the summertime, I've got all these things, I got running vehicles, I've got money from a job that God has provided me with, I have the ability to do that job that God has provided me with, God has blessed me beyond measure, but I rejoice in God because I am righteous. I rejoice in God because He has made me righteous through the blood of the only begotten of the Father. That is why I rejoice in God. I can rejoice over these other things, over these other blessings, yes, but I rejoice most of all because I deserve hell and I'm not going. Rejoice in the Lord, oh ye righteous. For praise is comely for the upright. Who is the upright? That's the righteous that was brought up in the line previous to this. Folks, the world is not upright in the eyes of God. I am not upright outside of Jesus Christ in the eyes of God. Once again, I am righteous because of Jesus Christ and I am upright because of Jesus Christ and for no other reason. People are trying and trying and trying to appease God by their actions, but the only action 
nation that will appease God and that does appease God is the blood that Jesus Christ shed that we are cleansed with, that we are washed with, that we are made whole with. We can't do it by our own actions. Yeah. We can't do it. Like I said, these Jews, they didn't have that. They didn't have the blood of Jesus Christ, but they had the promise of that seed that I talked about this morning. Those of you that were here this morning, the seed that was promised to bruise the head of the serpent, they had the promise that a Messiah would come, that one would come to deliver them, one would come to make everything right. They had that promise, and they believed in that promise. What's the Bible say about Abraham? It says Abraham believed God, and that was accounted to him for righteousness. Nothing to do with Abraham's actions, nothing to do with anywhere he went or anything that he did. It was the very fact that he believed what God said. I believe what this Bible says. This Bible says that, that if I, that if I uh, confess Jesus Christ with my mouth and I believe in my heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I believe what the word of God says. I believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. I believe that he lived a sinless life. I believe that he was crucified and I believe he resurrected and bless God. I believe that he's coming again, folks. And it is not any action that I can take. No sermon that I can preach or song that I can sing and it's strictly my belief in what God has already done that makes me righteous and makes me upright mm-hmm. and if we believe that he's coming again we'll act like it mm-hmm. we won't be out here living like the world we won't be out here living like the un- uh, unregenerate we won't be out here wanting to sin we will live like Jesus Christ could come the next minute like he can come the next hour because folks that is a fact it is a fact of the matter that Jesus Christ could come and take his bride out before we go out these doors tonight he could come before any of us hit the bed tonight he could come before morning he could come to call away his bride at any time that is why we live like that we live in the fear of the Lord we live in reverence to the Lord we live with regard to the word of of God because we should believe what the Bible says is true. Jesus Christ himself said, Behold I come quickly and my reward is with me to give unto every man according unto his works. Unto his works, folks, that has nothing to do with salvation but when I get up yonder, when I get up to glory, I want some crowns to lay at his feet. That has to do with rewards. Let's do the rewards. Now listen, the unrighteous and those that aren't upright, their reward is right here. Mm-hmm. Their reward is here on this earth. This is all the heaven they'll ever know. That's a scary thought. Because we done brought it up with prayer requests tonight. The whole virus thing going around. And I'm like everybody else. Yeah, I'm sick of hearing about it. But let's be honest. It's at the back of everybody's mind. It's at the back of my mind. It's at the back of your mind. It's at the the back of everybody's mind. I don't care how much faith somebody's got. 
I don't care how much they trust in God. That virus is still at the back of your mind. Somewhere. It's floating around back there somewhere. Folks, faith. Uh, faith will tell me that, that God can do something about it. Faith will tell me that God will do something about it. I understand these things. But don't tell me I'm faithless just because I get some concern about me over a virus. Or I get some concern about me over the flu. Or I get some concern over any other thing that may they come our way. Hey folks, if you woke up in the morning and you had negative money and you check an account, wouldn't that cause some concern about you? Yes, it would. Regardless of how much faith you have in God, you would be concerned about the matter. Amen. That doesn't reduce our faith. It does not reduce our faith. I still believe God. That God can take care of me. Listen, God's all sovereign, is he not? The Bible teaches that. The psalmist here is writing about the sovereignty of God, about what he can do, how, what he's already done and what he can do. God is all sovereign. I go out here in the middle of Watauga Road. I guarantee you, if I walk back and forth across that road, sooner or later, somebody's going to plow me in their car. Right. Sooner or later, that's going to happen. A sovereign God is over my actions. He's over your actions. Folks, it's not that, that God can't stop a car or a truck or whatever from hitting you. It's a matter of whether he will or not. Yeah. <clears throat> hey, if I'm dumb enough to go up there and play in the road for any amount of time, and God might just look down and say, well, it's obvious this is what he wants. I mean, seriously, think about it in that, in that respect for just a moment. We had this, this conversation here at the church months ago uh, when, when faith was coming into question. Uh, not, not just here, but at all the churches. Faith was coming into question over this tiny little virus that's floating around. Now, folks, I ain't never once denied that it wasn't real. Never once have I denied that. And I ain't preaching coronavirus. I've preached Jesus tonight. Yeah. But but I've never once denied that it's real. It is. And I understand that. But faith was coming into question. But folks, when I leave out here tonight, I promise you, before I pull out there on the road, I will turn on my headlights before I drive home. Does that show a lack of faith on my part? No, that's common sense. That's common sense. I need that to see. But where's your faith? Why don't you just let God guide you home? Why don't you let God guide you home with no headlights? See how well you fare with it. I promise you, I will wear my glasses when I'm driving home tonight. Why? Because I won't be able to see 10 feet in front of the car without them. That's not a lack of faith on my part. No. Folks, I believe what the Bible says. The Bible says God is all sovereign, God is all righteous, mm -hmm. and God is all knowing, God is omnipotent, and God is omnipresent, God is all of these things, and then some. We don't even know every aspect about God, yeah. but I, I have a feeling the Bible tells us very little about Jehovah God, but what I do know about him, folks, why wouldn't I trust him? Yeah. This psalmist here, he's telling him, rejoice in the Lord, holy righteous, for praise is comely, for the upright, praise the Lord with a heart with harp, sing unto him with the psaltery and the instrument of ten strings, sing unto him a new song, play skillfully with a loud voice, for the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. The word of the Lord is right. The word and and, and his word is truth. The word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth, folks. Everything that God does, whether you like it or not, or whether I like it or not, all of his works 
are done in truth. All of his works have a purpose. Whether we, whether we agree with them or not, God doesn't need nor ask for our approval, folks. We are mere men and women here on this earth. We are part of the creation of Almighty God. We have no right to tell God how to run a universe that he spoke into existence. In Psalm chapter 8, you can flip over there sometime, read it for yourself. It's talking about the creation. And he says, who is man that thou art mindful of him? Folks, that's a wonderful question that you and I could ask ourselves over and over. God, who spoke the sun, the moon, the stars, the earth, the entire universe into existence. Folks, he has control over it all. What is man that he would even care about us? We are nothing. We are nothing without God. Amen. We, and I've said it before, I know so, because <coughs> Deb, made, Deb picked on me for it. <laughs> we are nothing but little specks of dirt mm-hmm. walking around on this earth. Specks of dirt, really, that's all we are. We're mud pies with legs and arms and eyes and ears. That's all we are. God fashioned man out of the clay of the ground. Did he not? Now listen, you you take the physical aspect of these things, and I know he's God and I know he can do anything, but you take dry dirt, it's hard to fashion anything out of that. So uh, the Bible refers to it as clay. The Bible refers to it as the dust of the earth. That Bible refers to it as a couple of different things. But God molded us. He molded us out of the earth. Therefore, you and I are nothing more than mud pies. You take every element in your body. You take the magnesium, you take the iron, you take the, the sulfate, you take, you take all these things, you take all the salt, all these things that come from the earth, mind you, but you take all these things and if you bowled them all down and packaged them, you would be worth less than $2. You'd be worth less than $2 if you took all those things and put them all together. When I, I'd done that for a Sunday school lesson several years ago. I think it was a dollar and eighty-six cents I come up with that we will be worth. But my goodness, the Bible here, is, here says, "Rejoice ye in the Lord, O ye righteous." Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, folks. The fact that we are righteous, if we've been born again, folks, that gives us all the worth in the world. That gives us, that makes us worth, folks. We were literally worth dying for in the eyes of God and in the eyes of Jesus. Christ you were worth dying for nothing more than a mud pie or a speck of dirt you were worth dying for you have an eternal soul within you regardless of of what makes up your physical body you have a soul within you you have a soul that needed salvation you had a God that wanted you to have salvation you had a Savior in Jesus Christ that paid the way for that salvation and now salvation has been offered to an entire undeserving world. That's why we can rejoice. Because we receive that from God. As a gift, we receive that. We've been made righteous. We've been made upright. The word of the Lord is, for the word of the Lord is right. And all his works are done in truth. All of his works are done in truth, regardless of what they are. Y'all ever, <clears throat> don't raise your hands because I really don't want to know. But you think about it on your own. Anybody ever got saved that that you really didn't want to get saved? 
Did you ever get jealous over somebody getting saved or get upset or think for, for one moment, how in the world did this happen? How, uh, now, folks, listen, I'll be honest. I want everybody to get saved. I want everybody, I, I want everybody to go to heaven. My Bible tells me that ain't going to happen. But that doesn't mean I don't want it. I don't want it for people. I've, I've got enemies now that I've had since school. I've had since I was in high school, middle school, elementary school. Silly stuff. Silly playground arguments. People didn't talk to me from the fourth grade all the way through the time we graduated high school. Because of silly stuff that happened on playgrounds. And they held it against me. Folks, let me tell you something right now. If I heard that those individuals got saved, I would rejoice. I would rejoice, regardless of how they treated me over the years. I would rejoice over that. We, we, We don't need to... Get jealous. We don't need to get upset. We should rejoice every time we hear about someone coming to salvation, someone receiving the gift of Jesus Christ uh, 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 and eternal salvation in their life. When they've received that, we should rejoice. And, and it's, it's not a question of whether they deserved it or not because you didn't deserve it and I didn't either. Nobody in here deserves it. Nobody that has lived, is living, or will live deserves salvation. All of God's works are done in truth. Amen. That includes saving souls. That includes saving souls. Now on the flip side of that coin, there's people out there that have heard the gospel over and over and rejected it over and over. And there's people out there, you read about in Romans chapter 1, that God finally just, he's tired of dealing with them. Folks, there's a line out there somewhere. I don't know where it's at. The Bible don't tell us where it's at. There's a line drawn in the sand somewhere where God quits dealing. God just stops. God says, listen, I've offered it. You've rejected it. You rejected me, rejected my son, rejected my word, rejected the blood, rejected the truth. You rejected these things. I am done. That's what it is to be handed over to a reprobate mind. Let them go on their way. Let them think their own way. Let them do their own thing because they're not going to listen anyway. That's a scary thought, but that work is done in as much truth as salvation is given in as much truth of God. And we have no right to question it. The Bible says he'll bless whom he'll bless and he'll curse whom he'll curse. And folks, there is no right that I have or you have or anyone else does to question God as to who he saves and to who he doesn't. All of his works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. He loves righteousness and he loves judgment. Folks, it's a good thing that he's not looking at your righteousness or my righteousness. What Isaiah wrote about that, our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. The only righteousness that God loves is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That is all that God loves. He doesn't love our righteousness. Folks, and there is scripture on scripture in the Old Testament and in the New Testament that will back that up. Our actions, our thoughts, our words, our prayers, anything that we do cannot even compare to the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And without his righteousness, without he being the one that made me righteous, I'm nothing in the eyes of God. I'm useless in the eyes of God as I preached this morning. I'm as the chaff that they scoop up and the wind blows away because there is no use for it. Verse 6, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. 
He gathereth the waters of the sea together as an heap. He, lay, he layeth up the depth in storehouses. And folks, <clears throat> again, this was a thousand years, give or take, uh, before Jesus Christ was ever born. The earth had not been circumnavigated by sailors at this point. No. But he's talking about the seas. He's talking about the depths. He's talking about how God created them, but not only about how God created them, what God can do with them. He says he stacked them up. What do you think the psalmist is talking about there? Personally, I think he's talking about the incident with the Israelites at the Red Sea, where it says that the water was divided and the water became as great walls on either side of them. Now, is that what he's talking about? I don't know. I don't know for certain, but that's... Kindly what it sounds like, because I can't tell you the last time I drove by a body of water and it was and had one layer stacked on top of another. So he had to be referring to a certain incident uh, here in this verse, and I believe that will be the incident he's referring to. But he says, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the host of them, by the breath of his mouth, he created it all. And he didn't have to form those things. He didn't have to mold those things. God simply spoke, and there it was. Mm -hmm. And folks, you go back to Genesis 1, God spoke to this earth, and he spoke to the depths. He spoke to the sea and the sea and the earth obeyed what God said. Why? Because he created them. God is sovereign controller over the entire universe, not just this world that we live on, this earth that we live on, over the entire universe. If a star goes out, it's because it was the will of God for it to happen. If another one is birthed in the night sky that we've never seen, it's because it was the will of God that it happened. God hung those stars there. He knows every one of those stars. He knows which one is which, where it's supposed to be and he knows them by name. Amen. That's my God. Mm -hmm. That's why I can rejoice in him. Because the very one that spoke all these things into existence and that knows all these things yeah. looked down one day and he said, this one needs salvation. This one needs to be dealt with. This one needs to be saved. And he saved my soul. Therefore, I am the righteous that can rejoice in God. I'm made righteous because he made me that way. He gathereth the waters of the sea together as in heap. He layeth up the depth in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Folks, this is a commandment. And I understand it was a psalmist writing to a bunch of Jews. But folks, this is the word of God. Whether we like it or not, it is a commandment for the entire world to stand in awe of Almighty God. To stand in reverence of Almighty God and what he has done as far as the creation goes. To stand in awe of what he has accomplished all by himself. He didn't need angels to help him. He didn't need anyone to help him. God done every bit of this on his own. And it says that, uh, here it says, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. The problem is not everyone stands in awe at the creation that we live on. Not everyone stands in awe of the creation that you are and that I am. Folks, it could not have happened by chance that you and I are sitting here with eyeballs and with ears and with the internal organs and the bone structure 
cancer that we have in our bodies. It could not have happened by chance. It took design for those things to happen. And we can stand in awe of what God has done in our bodies, in our world, for our world, in this earth. We can stand in awe of it all. But most of the world has rejected it. They do not look at it. They do not stand in awe or admiration of God. But my Bible says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Folks don't, don't like to think about that. <clears throat> they don't like to think about those that have rejected God and rejected the truth of his word. Standing before God and having to confess that. Why is that? Because they're being made to do something that they don't want to do. And folks, I had that attitude at one time. I had that attitude. I remember telling people, I will not bow down before. You know, but back back when before I believed in God, before I believed in the Bible. Any of those things, people talk to me about God, they talk to me about scripture and all these other things. I say, even if he's real, I will not bow down before him. And folks, my Bible says otherwise. My Bible says otherwise. And I knew what the Bible said. I knew what it said, but I didn't believe the Bible. Therefore, it didn't, it didn't bother me to say that. It didn't bother me at all, folks. I was, if there was ever one that wallowed around in their sin, it was me. It was me. I wallowed in it. I gloated about it. I was happy to be in my sin. So I thought. But then I got saved. Then I got made righteous by Jesus Christ. And I became part of these upright that are brought up in verse 1 of Psalm 33. Folks, that's when I discovered what true happiness was. That's when I discovered what true joy was. That no matter what comes my way, no matter what, uh, what this world throws at me, no matter what demons come at me, I can still have joy. Yes, I might get sad sometimes. Yes, I might get sick. I might get down. All kinds of things can happen, but that cannot remove the joy of Jesus Christ that is within me because Jesus Christ himself is within me. It don't matter what comes our way. It doesn't matter one bit. We can still have joy. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. Folks, anything that God commands, it'll stand fast, I promise you. It'll stand fast. The Lord, uh, for he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. He bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. How many times <coughs> have we... Have we thought, my goodness, I can't take this anymore. I'm at the end of my rope. I'm at the end of the way. These demons, they're chasing me. The devil himself seems like he's on my heels. God, I can't take this anymore. And so on and so forth. How many times have we had that thought? I have. You all have at some point in your Christian walk. Probably seven times over if you're anything like me. But there's a promise here in Scripture. But not only here in Psalms 33. But throughout the pages of Scripture. There's a promise 
comes, but the Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to know he maketh the devices of the people of none effect, folks. Whatever is evil that's coming against you, God will sooner or later bring it to know, whether it's sickness. I know that the scripture here is talking about heathen, talking about people, other human beings, but folks, I'm talking in a greater aspect, in a bigger picture, whatever is evil in your life, whatever is chasing you, whatever is hounding you, whatever is torturing you, God will bring it to naught. Maybe not today, tonight, tomorrow, but I promise you it will come to an end sooner or later. Amen. Just hang on. Hang on. <clears throat> what did we just read right before that? He commanded and it stood fast. Folks, that's just as much the truth of God's word what we just read about the devices of the people and the ways that the counsel of the heathen come to naught and the devices of the, of the people being made of none effect. That's just as much God's truth as he commanded it and it stood fast. Folks, there's promises in God's word. He will be with us and he will bring these things to an end one day. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of his heart to all the thoughts of his heart to all generations. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. What did we read in the verse before this? It has something to do with the counsel of the heathen. Mm -hmm. The counsel of the heathen he'll, will come to naught. He will bring it to naught. But the counsel of the Lord, it stands forever. What, God, what the heathen are doing right now, it'll be brought to an end one day. Oh, yeah. I don't know when. I, I mean, I, I, don't know, I don't have a calendar date for you. Mm -hmm. uh, no man does. Y'all have heard it just as many times as I have, probably more times than I have. People say, well, the world's going to end such and such day, yeah. uh, such and such year. I remember it was supposed to have ended in 2012. Here we are eight years later. Mm -hmm. Praise God. How many end of the worlds have you survived in your lifetime? Yeah. <laughs> I've survived several of them. Folks, it'll come to an end when God says that it will. Right. And those people that make those predictions, those are heathens. Those are heathens that do that. They cannot believe the word of God and make predictions like that. Even Jesus said when he was here on this earth, and not even the Son of Man knoweth the day or the hour. Not, not even Jesus Christ himself knew. The angels in heaven didn't know. Only the Father knows that time. Right. Now, folks... <clears throat> Even at that, the way I understand my Bible, you get all this crazy talk about the end of the world. I've done heard a couple of dates thrown out for 2021. And, uh, uh, but you get to hear all that crazy talk. Listen, the end of the world, I mean, the absolute end, what, what I talked about this morning uh, when, when Peter said everything be burned up with a fervent heat, that can't even happen until after seven years of tribulation. After the church is gone, there's at least seven more years that the world's going to be in existence. At least that, that long, if I understand my Bible correctly. So, and that's just after the rapture of the church. Yeah. Now, all that being said, after the tribulation and uh, uh, all these things come to be, there's, there's a point where Satan is bound and he's thrown in the bottomless pit. How long is he thrown in there for? A thousand years. So there's at least a thousand and seven years that the earth is going to be in existence. 
You got seven years of tribulation. You got a thousand years, which will be for the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. People can argue that all you all they want to, but my Bible says it, and my Bible backs it up, and I'll believe that. So that's at least a thousand and seven years that the earth is going to be here. Why? How do I know that the earth will be here? Because at the end of that thousand years, it says that Satan is loose for a season, and he goes and he gathers the armies of the earth against Almighty God. So earth is at least in existence for a thousand and seven years after the church is gone, after the church has been raptured out. So, when you hear all this end of the world talk, don't listen to it. Don't listen to it. Because nobody knows. Let me tell you something. If Jesus Christ didn't know, I can promise you, Jim Jones didn't know either. And I can promise you, none of these other televangelists or radio evangelists or any of these other folks that claim to know, I can promise you, if Jesus didn't know, they don't know either. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. That was the generation that was being written to here in Psalm 33. That was every generation that was before them. And it's every generation since then. Like I said, it's about a thousand years before Jesus Christ. So it was about 3,000 years ago, because we in 2020 now, that that was written. And every one of those generations since that song, the counsel of the Lord stands with that. The law of God stands with that. The judgments and the statutes of God, they are still good. He spoke it, he commanded it, and it stood fast. And folks, it is standing fast to this day. The Bible says that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. When this whole world is going up in flames, yeah. folks, the word of God will stand forever. It is forever settled in heaven, according to Psalms 119. Mm-hmm. And if Psalms 119 says it, and that's part of the word of God, mm-hmm. I can promise you I believe it. Oh, yeah. It is forever settled. 